0: Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 finals. all thanks to McDonald's. Makers, together and loving it.
1: TNCs apply.
2: Whatever you've got on this weekend, don't miss a moment in the world of sport. Wherever you are around the country, we've got you covered. This is SENZ. It's just gone three o'clock here on SCNZ. Ricardo Ball with you Sunday afternoon through to five o'clock. Mary Baker joins us now. Uh, World Cup winning Kiwi Fern and former Aotearoa Sevens International as well. And Mary, I understand you're at the airport waiting to, to fly to the US to do some coaching.
3: Yeah, I'm just sort of sitting here and outside the Qantas lands. I'm just about to go and do the LA um, Sevens coaching over there and do a bit bit of work with uh, the Belmont Shore Club as well.
2: Nice, mate, nice. You're spreading the word. Who, who are you working with at the LA7s? So uh, it's
3: kind of like a barbers team. It's a team that comes together from all over the world, um, and the are Stars. So I've, I've worked for them for, I would say, they're a good part of four years now, and um, lots of overseas trips, so it's
4: great.
2: Yeah, I bet. I bet, mate. It's been a while since... I managed to get to the airport for anything other than picking someone up, so yeah, I'm a bit jealous, mate, to be fair. <laughs> um, enjoy enjoy the trip. I hope it's a safe flight. Um, how much did you enjoy that game at Orange Theory Stadium last night?
3: Yeah, really good. It's it's good to see that. Um, it's good to see Charmaine Miniman back. Um, I thought she had a good innings, and she was, when she got subbed, it was about the right time for her to be subbed. But she just, you know, just adds a bit more sort of aggression and physicality, which is something that they'll be looking for. Um, I don't think Wayne Smith will be too happy with the backs. I think they left probably, I would say she's maybe 30 to 40 points on on the table there. But you know what? Always winning by 50 points is good, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't think you can argue at fifty-two-five against. I don't know if you'd say they're our biggest rivals, but they're our nearest rivals. And there's always that traditional thing with the Wallaroos. I mean, uh, it's. I think for them, it's a step backwards. Uh, for us, I think it's a great sign, considering you know how the meetup, uh, the matchup in the Pack Four went. They they were a lot closer there.
3: Yeah, I thought Jonah were is probably playing her best footy. Um, so she was good. Kuna, Kuna Lavavia game was pretty good. I thought Pip Love uh, was a was wasn't. She needs to be probably a bit more um, physical around the park, and I'd love to see a bit more ball skills coming from her as well. But in general, um, we still have a few little holes in, in the pack, and that's fine. You know, yeah. I think we've got um, locks, locks and probably a six missing at the moment, mm-hmm. but you know everyone loves 50 points don't
2: they well you gotta love 50 points i mean and you mentioned that we're missing maybe missing a lock and a six but those players are there right because we saw them we've seen them there in previous uh Black Ferns teams we saw them at the end of the year is it just about i don't know if it's even towing the line but is it just about ticking boxes to make sure you're in the right shape and the right frame of mind to be playing that level
3: we might not just have the players at the moment. You know, there is a couple um injuries. Liz is is I just think we've got to be careful here. Like, you know, we we really need physicality in that forward pack. And I just don't see it from I didn't I didn't see it there from those those couple of players. And then I looked back at the ratings and had a look at them. Um and, you know, they both both scored six and I was just thinking, well yeah that Six against Australia probably isn't great. It's is not, mm. not not a great showing. Um, that means they're probably not quite being physical enough, and that's probably something that's come up in their their work ons. I would suggest being a bit more physical. They get around the park. No, no problem. But they're not. They're probably not as confrontational as what Kennedy Simon and Shemaine McMenamin is, and even Jonah Nawur. She was so physical. It was great.
2: Well, that's the thing. I mean, I. The difference in this team and the way they're playing from the end of year tour last year, where all the criticism came from, and all the changes basically would, were uh, due to to that tour to now. I mean, what difference have you seen? What changes have you seen?
3: Yeah, like I said, I think Kunila Vavi coming in, and, um, she's a, she's a powerful um, carrier of the ball, and she showed that where she bumped off one of one of the one of the players. You know, I think it was Shannon Purie's bumped off who's been around in the game for, for years and is an Olympic gold medalist. So, yeah. you know, um, Jana Nawoon, Kennedy Simon back in, the, back in the frame as well. She did a massive amount of work. And Charmaine McMinimum, I thought, were fantastic. Um, Kendra, I thought that we have got a good 45 uh, 45 minutes out of her. Not too sure um, where she's at with the fitness to give us a bit more, but she was great. Um, Ruby Tui and Alicia Lutienger. Wow. She's sensational, isn't she? Um, Ruby probably didn't have enough have enough space and, and ball, really, um, and that's probably due to Amy Duplessis. as she's more of a runner of the ball as well.
2: I thought Amy Duplessis was superb last night. I know you mentioned that the backs probably left a few points out there, but I, I thought she was close to player of the match.
3: Yeah, look, I coached Amy Duplicy very, uh, when she was in, um, just out of high school, down in Invercargill, and she's one of those players that gets better and better and gets more she gets confident. I can see the issue when we come to bigger teams is that she's she's a great defender when she can cut down the space and the time, but when they're running at her and there's a little bit of indecision, I can see that happening when it comes to England and uh, France. But I'd love for the for them to get play each other and her to get more and more game time.
2: You talked a bit earlier about size and physicality. Um, a player who has been, you know, a long-term uh, Black who was axed by the current coaching lineup was Eloise Blackwell, and she gives you both physicality, um, size, and physical presence. But also, she she's certainly not shy of mixing it. Do you think that she is still in the mix, and what does she need to do to get back in the picture?
3: I think that, that comes down to a little bit like with Chelsea Bremer, Chelsea actually gets around the paddock a little bit more. Yes, she might lose a little bit of physicality. Yes, she might lose a little bit of skill set there as well. But she gets just she just gets she's everywhere. And I think for Eloise, I think that could be if she if she, uh, she works on her work rate a little bit. I think that they'll bring her in the end. I'm just not too sure he's... You know, he's, he's, um ruse is still in the mix, but mm. she hasn't been playing to her potential because she's just coming back from a long-term injury. Um, so I think Blackwell's still, still in the mix somewhere.
2: Yeah, because um, I think we could do with her at line-out time, couldn't we? I mean, the line-out was better, but it still seems that going to two is the preferred option. And while well, that's OK against the Aussies, if we play France or England, we're going to need that more variety than that.
3: Yeah, exactly. And that, you know, I'm, I'm I'm glad that you mentioned that and that would be something that you'd look like. Ruse would be some other person as well. Simon is good in the air as well. But like you said, Blackwell is probably one of those people that are very good line-out jumpers and it could be another option. And I think that we talked about this last time about the line-out yeah. and how much trouble we were in. Um, and it seems to me that they tidied that up a lot. But But again... You know, I'd love for us to get another hard match and just going into World Cup. We're probably not going to get it. Um, we might be. We might be better off going from a North South or a Possibles and a Probables team. Um, let's see how we go there.
2: What about uh, next week or you know, this weekend? Next weekend uh, in Adelaide, um, they play. They play the return match. What would you think that Wayne Smith will be looking to do in that match? Given how big the win was this time round.
3: I think he, like, um, if you read the paper today, he did talk about how they left points on the table and they need to be a little bit more, I guess, tidying up on their catch pass. Um, Because there there was some incidents out there where a simple catch pass, um, a little bit more depth on the ball so they can attack on it, and if they'd done that, they probably would have scored on the right-hand side with Ruby Ruby Tui. So I think he's going to go back to the back line and just say, hey, it's all about execution here. It's all about making sure that, you know, yes, we're getting over the game line, but, you know, it's those little one little, um, percenters that we need to work on. Mm,
2: yeah. What about, so you think what he'll do is basically put his strongest team out again and say, look, really put your, your foot on the throat rather than maybe seeing how a Taylor Nathan Wong or some of those fringe players might uh, go replacing some of the big names like Kendra Coxage.
3: I have a funny feeling that um, the sevens girls, Teresa Fitzpatrick and Taylor Nathan Wong, might not be available. Um, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not. I haven't quite, quite got that confirmed yet. But yeah, if that that was me, I would probably probably giving Taylor Nathan Wong, a um, a start. Um, I'd probably giving Sylvia Brunt or Hazel Tubek a go as well, because I think also we're probably lacking in the 15. I thought Renee Holmes was good, um, but she climbed up eight eight some of um, Ruby Tui's space as well when she didn't really need to come in could mm. have left that space to Ruby Tui and I just not too, I'm still not convinced that Renee Holmes is our best 15
2: What about Ruby Tui as a 15? I mean given her sevens background give her a little bit more room, a little bit more space
3: oh, I love Ruby, everyone loves Ruby um, I think uh, I'm, I'm just not too sure if she knows all the laws mate <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, Parker on the wing. You can't muck it up too much on the wing. We'll put you there.
3: Um, I, I think he, I wasn't too sure she was having a wee cut at all with the, the referee about one of the rules, and, and, and I was just like, "Oh, Ruby." <laughs>
2: <laughs> maybe they have to take him through one of those like driver's license type things before you can you <laughs> can play yeah, the rule. Go through the rule book. Oh, too good.
3: Maybe but Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe. Maybe. I actually maybe even think Taylor Nathan Wong. You know, mm. at fifteen and sort of have a look at her there um, if you're not going to use her with with Kend- Kendra I thought Kendra probably played the best uh, first 40 off center play in probably about two years
2: yeah yeah she's definitely uh, improved I mean we had Daryl Suasua on earlier in the show and you know he just talked about the athleticism of the team he thinks that's come on and leaps and bounds since the end of end of last year and and you know he put that down to you know the improvements in, in some of the player performances as well
3: yeah, well, you've got Amanda Murphy in that mix as well, um, working in there is from the Canterbury side. She's now part of the key, the the Black um strength and conditioning panel, and they look as though they've been running. They look as though they've been in the gym. They look as though they've been paid professional athletes, don't they? Yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> amazing what happens when you get resources, isn't it?
3: <laughs> yeah, amazing. <laughs> um, but um, I, I think we, you know, they look. 50 points is great. I don't think Australia, that that was the best Australian side I've seen for a long time. I was actually a bit confused by them um, a little bit. But, you know, when the players came on for the impact, I don't think they gave the impact either. Mm. Um, And I think that that's a worrying point as well. When we go, when we keep on um, coming up to these Northern Hemisphere teams, we need people coming on. And, you know, whether you've got 20 minutes, 10 minutes, uh, Forty minutes. We
2: need it to be impactful. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. You know, you, you you're you're uh, 23. They've got to be as, as we were talking about earlier with Daryl as well. We mentioned this actually. They're finishers. You know, as, as the yeah. as the parlance goes, not replacements or substitutes. They're people that you bring on to finish the game out. And uh, you, as you said, that's something that Wayne Smith was was probably critical of, and we'll want to see more of. Uh, In Adelaide. Hey, uh, Mehdi, thank you very much for giving us some time. I really appreciate it. Have a safe journey to LA and go well. Good luck uh, in the Sevens Tournament over there and we'll catch up with you again soon, eh?
3: Oh, awesome. Thanks very much.
2: Thank you. Mehdi Baker there with us uh, talking Black Ferns. It is 13 past three. When we come back, Chad Milnes is going to join us, former New Zealand Commonwealth Games boxer. We're going to talk Alexander Usyk versus Anthony Joshua. (laughs) It's 17 past three here on SENZ Sunday afternoon. An update for you of the scores from the uh, NPC. Otago leads Southland 27 22. 53 minutes gone in that one. And Auckland Bay of Plenty, no change in the score from half time. Still 10 8 to Auckland over Bay of Plenty, although Bay of Plenty have a uh, scrum on the Auckland 22. Out by the right-hand touch line. We'll keep you up to date with the scores throughout the rest of the afternoon. Joining us now to talk boxing, though, is Chad Milnes. G'day, Chop Chop. How are you?
0: Hey, Ricardo. mate, I'm good, mate. I'm good. You're a... a bit tired. We had a big night last night, but I'm good.
2: Yeah how did how did it go at the uh, at, at your big fight night?
0: Uh really well, really well, really well. Uh, well, you know, had some really good fights, amateur fights, corporate fights, and. I mean, in our pro main event, unfortunately, our man didn't pull through, but uh, it was it was a strong, well-deserved win uh, by Marcus Haywood, and uh, congrats to him. He's the new PBC middleweight champion. So, um, But that's boxing, and uh, congratulations. He, he deserves the win. Yeah. It was a great night for us and our, and our team and, and our event, and we've got another one in November, and we just want to keep rolling them out, bigger and better.
2: Yeah, bigger and better. Of course, uh, being put on by uh, the box office. Now uh, we should also talk. Of course, uh, the uh, the big fight this morning, mate. That was on DAZN. Uh, we saw AJ Anthony Joshua try and win his belts back against Alexander Usyk, and he couldn't do it, mate. It was a bit of a lesson, really, wasn't it? U- Usyk just uh, uh, outboxed him. He got he got bullied a cup for a couple of rounds, but in general, he, he just outboxed him. Yeah,
0: he, he did, and I mean Alexander Usyk is is a, is a, is a amazing boxer you know he's, he's he's one in a million one in a billion and um and he really put his, his skills on display uh, you know I, I did feel that the, the split of the rounds for me felt kind of similar to the last fight mm. but I did feel that AJ made some adjustments that allowed him to have more success in this fight uh than the last one There was sort of when he had some rounds there's a really strong rounds sort of near the end of sort of eight and nine if I recall correctly yeah um I mean almost he had Usick out but then I mean Usick showed a lot of heart, came back and, and in the following rounds it even looked like he was gonna take Joshua out himself and hurt him. So uh, but it was a great fight and um Ustic really showed his classes. Yeah that thing IQ is Yeah is it... is it, it, phenomenal and um and yeah and he really showed it he, he deserves to be a champion.
2: I thought um Joshua and, and I know sometimes it's a muscle memory thing, you know, you, you change the way you fight, you change what you do. He'd stripped down, he'd lost a bit of weight for this fight, obviously, to try and be a bit more mobile. Um, but it felt like he kind of went away from uh, the game plan for a, a bit. And when he went back to it, you talked about, I think, round, rounds eight and nine, that's when he was throwing a lot of uppercuts to the body and attacking Usyk's body. And we saw that, you know, he did that in round eight. And then around nine, Usyk just didn't move like he was moving. I thought I think he had taken some gas out of the tank. And he was able to bully him then because he wasn't, he, he was able to pin him down. Uh, but then he went away from that again, and then in the tenth round, Usyk sort of really uh, took charge again and was was rolling out, was moving to the, was stepping to the right, was pivoting out, and was and was just making him reset all the time, so he couldn't get sorted. He kind of went away from that game plan uh, quite a lot, didn't he?
0: Uh, yeah, he did. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, he boxed for a long time and in a certain manner, and then in his last camp since the last fight, what's that? 10 months or so, he's gone with a new trainer, he's adopted a new strategy, a new style of boxing. And, and for the first couple rounds, he was doing it well. But at the end of the day, it's only 10 months of doing a, a completely changing and trying to be someone else. And, and when you start getting tired and, and you can't be deliberate with all your decisions and actions, you fall into habit. And, and you could see that after the, the fight started to go into a little sort of the, the early mid rounds, he fell back into some of his ways, like you said. Um, but then when he went back to the game plan, he had, had success. I think it shows that the game plan that they had was good, because he started quite well, and then those other rounds, he went quite well. But at the end of the day, as well, he is a big guy, and he said it after the fight. He's not a Mike Tyson, Evander Holyfield kind of guy, a 14 stone or whatever, just, just a, that hundred, early 100 kilo, sort of 90 heavyweight. He's He's a what, one, one fifteen or eighteen stone heavyweight. He's a big guy, six foot six, all muscle, not an ounce of fat on him. And 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 that takes a lot of energy for someone like that to to put in that work. So when he throws shots, they are big, big powerful punches. And he's a big guy, and having to move that much and put in that much effort, it just drains his batteries. And and that was always going to be Usyk's thing. If 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 AJ went at him, and he just had to survive. And then when he shot his bullet. He could just go after him and, and, and take the back. So, yeah, it, it, it was a hard one for AJ. But there were moments when he did look like this new style was giving him success. But one camp is not enough to change you into a completely different person.
2: Yeah, just on that, that was weird what he said at the end when he took the microphone. And, like, you know, I mean, I know he was giving props to Usyk and things, and that was fine. Um, but I was just like, well, Tyson Fury's bigger than you, and he does it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's right he is he's, he's, he's a big man I guess that's what makes him special he's, 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 uh, he's a once in a lifetime fighter I mean you know to be that big and, and, and look that horrible physically and, and be able to perform like that, that that's, that's something special uh, but what it looked like to me that little outburst at the end perhaps a lot of frustration but also I think just a bit of bit of realness and, and you know you can see a lot of the time in some of his press conferences I think he puts on a bit of a persona. Before, he's the gentleman, he's the nice guy. For this one leading up to this, he was uh, the bad guy, trying to be the, the the bad man this time, no more Mr. Nice Guy, instead of walking in with the white-colored they wind, came in with the black, sort of Mike Tyson, full black trunks. And his whole attitude about this was, no more nice guy, I'm going to come out and destroy you. But maybe, at the, I think at the end, it just seemed like a bit of frustration and emotion and just a bit of, bit of realness. I think a bit of vulnerability. He talked about his story. He talked about uh, how he's a big guy and, it, and it's hard for him to do that. And he did give props to us, like you said, but I think that was just an outburst of, of actually the real Anthony Joshua just talking about it, telling his story. He didn't have the long amateur career. He came out of jail and, and, and became who he is, uh, fighting out of uh, adversity and fighting through adversity. So if you think a bit of props to him and, and thinking about his story and for what he's done, I think you know he deserves respect. And that was just
2: him speaking from the heart. If Usyk's got all the belts wrapped up, bar one, which Tyson still has, uh, what is what does AJ do now? I mean, I, I kind of look at it and think maybe he just should just retire. I don't know.
0: It is a tough one. He's in a hard position, and I guess the real it really comes down to what Eddie Hearn thinks. Yeah. Um, and and I think the only fight that that Tyson Fury would come out for. Is the Anthony Joshua fight? I don't think that the Usyk fight really appeals to him, or maybe even does it really appeal to the public. <laughs> but, but in saying that, I think that the All British Showdown is also something that can happen now, and maybe it's a come out of retirement fight for, for of jury before he
2: fights Usyk,
0: and uh, that'll be the big
2: fight. Yeah, well, maybe you're right because I, I mean, there was a part of me that, part of me that did want that win to go to. Um, uh, to AJ, just because I thought, well, that'll definitely, you know, Tyson Fury would definitely fight him then, uh, but I wasn't sure that that would happen if he if he lost the fight. So it's going to be interesting to see what what he does or what what next for Alexander Usyk now. I mean, he's got five belts. He's obviously going to go gunning for the one that uh, Fury's got. I guess it just depends on whether it's going to be a fight against Fury or he's going to have to fight uh, fight someone else for the vacant belt.
0: I think Alexander Usyk's kind of at the mercy of Tyson Fury. Really, it all comes down to Tyson's decision. Is he going to pick the Anthony Joshua fight and do the all all British affair, or does he try to go for unification with Usyk and and uh, get all the belts and be undisputed? I think that that Ulster has just got to wait on Tyson Fury. he's
2: oh, it's it's all on him. Well, I've just been told in my ear that uh, Tyson Fury has spoken. He said, "I watched that fight. They were both shite," is what he said. I would take <laughs> I would take both of them on the same night. And uh, he wants to fight Usyk and take all the belts uh, because he said, hashtag, Gypsy King lives forever.
0: (laughs) Well, that's a really typical Tyson Fury to say something like that. But he he said similar things in the past about knocking Wilder and AJ out in one night. But uh, let's see if he puts it on paper and finds the dotted line. That's that's what we're waiting for, the dotted line.
2: Yeah, indeed. All right, Chad. Hey, listen, thanks very much for coming on, mate. Go well and we'll catch up with you soon at the box office, eh?
0: sure,
2: mate. For sure. See you soon. Thank you. Cheers. You, thank you. Uh, Chad Milnes, their former New Zealand Commonwealth Games boxer. It is 27 past three. When we come back, we're talking English Premier League with Noel Barclay. <laughs> 29 away from four here on SENZ Sunday afternoon with a Ricardo Ball through till five o'clock and joining us is former all-white Noel Barclay. G'day, Noel. How are you?
5: Very well, Ricardo. You sound a bit um, throaty, there. You lost your voice.
2: Um, uh, to be honest, I have uh, my first show back for uh since Wednesday and then I was off the week before that. I've uh, I thought I had the vid mate, but uh everything's negative. So but I've had some sort of virus or flu or something. So I've been a bit been a bit crook, mate. Been a bit crook, but not, I'm back on top. That, man. Yeah <laughs> good man. Yeah, yeah, back on top, mate. Hey we should uh, uh before you get into the Premier League should talk uh Chatham Cup semi finals. Uh Eastern Suburbs beating Hamilton Wanderers yesterday and Auckland City uh putting Wellington Olympic away today three one as well. So uh an Auckland all Auckland Chatham Cup final.
5: Yeah, but a bit of a shame, really. I mean, the best two teams probably were Olympic and, and, and Auckland. That would have made a better final. I saw that. I watched the stream yesterday and and uh, did see the semi-final live um, with Easton Suburbs. They are pretty average, had a pretty average season. Um, probably a bit lucky to get in there. Um, but, yeah, look, all Auckland final. Uh, I think it's the same with the girls with the, with the Kate Shepherd. So. Uh, no doubt that'll all be up at North Harbour at some point. So yeah, but but Auckland City just look too—it's <laughs> just too good for
2: everybody, really, don't they? Oh, yeah, they do. Well, and, and that's the weird thing too, is because the Chatham Cup's got different rules to the uh, to the national league in that there's no foreigner um, cap, so you can you know you, you don't have to have what is it? You can only have three imports in the league, but in the in the cup, I don't think there's any uh, any no, sort of limit. No, there's not. You're right, and
5: and it actually helped Waikiki because they had eleven Argentinians playing in the, in the. Quarterfinal as opposed to them only allowed four in um, other other um, you know um, league games. So yeah, a bit odd, but it certainly helps Auckland City as well because they got, you know got
2: plenty plenty of
5: imports in there too. Yeah, but yeah, they're they're just too good,
2: too good. I mean, suburbs have got uh, have quite a few decent young young uh, players coming through, and they managed to keep hold of Calvin or too, which is a bit of a surprise. I thought he would have been off overseas.
5: Yeah, especially sort of, you know, getting a run out in World Cup qualifiers and stuff like that. Um, but I guess, you know, now's, now's the time. It's a it's, it's shut window with the Chatham Cup final. And uh, hopefully, you know, I mean, with the European football only just sort of starting off, hopefully, um, you know, people will be trying to get him out there. Like people like Danny and stuff will be trying to get him contracts because, they I mean, they're in the frame, aren't they? I mean, um, he's a young kid and it um, looks like he's got a better future.
2: Well, I think the Phoenix could probably do with another with another fullback too, couldn't they? And uh, he'd be a key kid. I know they had Jack Henry Sinclair on on trial. He didn't he didn't cut the mustard, but uh Kalua might be worth a look.
5: Yeah, a little bit disappointed about Sinclair missing out there. To me, he's probably the best footballer, attacking wise, in, in the in the current National League program. So, um, not quite sure. Maybe he didn't maybe he didn't go well there and. Uh, but, you know, things can change. And uh, you know they said Roy Krishna wasn't good, good enough for the Phoenix. And and uh, look at him, you know. So uh, you, you never know how the future might turn out for young
2: Jack. Yeah, we'll have to see, mate. We'll have to see. Let's talk uh, Premier League now. Um, we're into the third round. Spurs uh, started with a 1-0 win over Wolves. They seem to have problems with Wolves, don't they, Spurs? Uh, but they did get the win in the end. And I think even Perisic showed just how important he, he could be. What a good signing he could be.
5: Yeah, look, they were a bit lucky in that game, I have to say. I mean, Wolves battered them in the first half and had all the chances. And, uh, and um, yeah, I mean, Spurs obviously had a better second half. Um, but, uh, yeah, got the win. Um, and I guess it's the difference between a Conte team and a Jose Mourinho team from before. So he, Conte just seems to be able to grit out results a little bit like last week. They got outplayed by Chelsea got a point in 96 minute, and I guess that's the difference, you know, with uh, somebody like him, he just has a very disciplined approach, and and um, Harry Kane, as you would expect, nets the winner in, in a game that um, rules were a bit unlucky, I mean, they probably could have won that game on another day.
2: Yeah, they're they, they are a team that really looks like they're under, uh, I mean, I know Raul Jiménez was on the bench, uh, but they, they look short of goals across the pitch.
5: Yeah, they had plenty of chances, and um, you know the young lad up top didn't. He had a couple of really good chances, him and his headers and stuff like that. Jimenez, of course, you know, he hasn't really been the same since um, that horrific head injury he got early, early last year, and um, well, it was at the end of the year before. But um, yeah, they need to get him back on. But yeah, I think they're safe. They're good enough. They just seem to have enough depth in midfield. I mean, the nevis, and and also the the. The lad have just signed out of Portugal. He looks it looks tidy, and they've spent a bit of money, so they're planning to be around.
2: Yeah, they'll be around all right. Uh, Palace beat Villa 3-1. Starting to be a few question marks over Stephen Gerrard's uh, managerial ability. I saw somebody um, put up his coaching record versus Gary Neville's coaching record at Valencia, and they're almost identical at, uh, from the Villa, the Villa numbers to the Valencia numbers.
5: Yeah, and, and he's well behind Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as well. Uh, I, I might add, but um, yeah, it's a funny game that one because I, I you have I felt a bit sorry for Villa. Um, I mean the penalty that um, that they got. Um, I, mean, I I just thought it was her, uh, one of those things that VAR just sort of stood out of. Um, the handball didn't really affect um, you know the header and didn't it didn't really change the dynamic of the of the attempt on goal. Um, it was completely accidental it didn't affect anything um, was it interfering with play probably but it was just a common sense one just not to give and um, of course the penalty changed again because Villa had to go for it and then obviously got opened up at the end but uh, yeah I mean I, I did listen to Stevie G's response on that and, and he certainly agreed with me uh, as you can imagine but I thought it was a bit hard done by um, after they had a good start cracking a goal by uh, Watkins absolute cracker of a goal Um yeah, and and yeah, question marks because they've spent the money and it still looks like they're going to try and sign the lad Sar from Watford. Um, so they're not giving up. They're definitely spending the cash, so he's going to have to start winning sooner or later. Um, again, I think they're fine, but I think they're expecting to be better than fine. I think mm. they're definitely looking to be, you know, and pushing for European spots, and
2: they they obviously are way off at the minute. Yeah, way off. Actually, if you Patrick Vieira or Steven Girard, you'd be concerned as a as a manager with both the opening goals because they were straight through the middle of the team. Just completely opened up both times. Yeah, just one
5: one touch football. When in, in 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 many respects the the palace one was worse because it was it was just like a big hoof forward and uh, and obviously, you know, has on the way through and, and um he's he's got legs and he's sort of almost identical like he did against Liverpool last weekend. So um, I like I like Vieira. Uh, he's got the palace who aren't Particularly flash to watch. He's got them being very effective. They do pass the ball around well, and um, they're, they're, you know, when you think about what they were like two, three years ago with Hudson, where they were scrambling around to get points and the odd home win, they they're going to be safe as houses. Nobody's talking about them being in the bottom three, and um, yeah, and good, you know, after getting a good point at Liverpool, could have won that game, um, and um, there they are sitting up the top.
2: Yeah, I, I mean Patrick Vieira has done a great job last season. After they they had something like nineteen players out of contract, and they were changing manager and going from Roy Hodgson style it was obviously going to change under Patrick Vera. I had them down as relegation candidates last season, but they weren't even close to it. He's done a great job turning that team around because there have been other managers who have got higher pedigrees who've gone into Palace to try and change that, and they've lasted five games and got the sack.
5: And uh, not, not only that, he, it's not like he spent a, he spent a lot of money either. You know what I mean? He hasn't. You know, he's got a limited budget. Um, he hasn't really got anybody to sell to create funds, so yeah, he's picked up he's picked up bargains and he's used as you know he's obviously got a good scouting network, and um, you know they're 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 hard to beat and um, you know they're f- financially a sustainable club unlike many others who are just you know throw money at it uh,
2: to try and be somewhere. We also saw Everton draw one all with Forest. Um, Forrest have they lost nineteen players uh, in the off season. Uh, have signed sixteen. Uh, they've they've spent a bit of money and they they look like they've signed some decent players as well. It's just going to take time for them to gel. I thought they probably deserved the win against Everton, who under Frank Lampard look a bit directionless, a bit toothless, and always suspect at the back.
5: And um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Forrest were the better, definitely the better team in that game. Uh, missed some chances, um, and um, again, horrific defending um, on. on Forrest's point of view, you know, given that goal away at the end, it was just a, a long kick-up field, and some of these it's really incredible that it can that actually can happen at that level in football. But, um, yeah, look, I like Forrest. Um, they definitely spent, what, over $100 million, $120 million. Um, Everton are the only... Did I, did I hear that they're the only club that hasn't signed an outfield player? And uh, it looks like they might use the, lose the lad to Chelsea um, and... Yeah, I mean, so that's it's a bit of a loss. He's obviously a bit of a talent, so I'm not quite sure what they do. Obviously, they've got a couple of injuries um, that, that's causing them problems. I would say they're a real, uh, definitely a real threat for, for relegation. It's sort of, yeah, I mean, they, they, they would be the one of the big clubs that I would say would be I'd be quite concerned about.
2: Yeah, uh, I think it's Leicester that haven't signed an outfield player. Uh, Everton have they have signed a couple of midfielders, but he, so the thing with Frank that seems to be the one place that Everton don't seem to need personnel is midfielders, and he signed two midfielders, but they don't have anybody up, up front. They haven't signed a striker. It seems weird.
5: Sorry about noise. Um, yeah, well, I mean, losing Calvin Lewis, um, you know, he, he, you know, arguably a fifty million, sixty million pound striker. Um, um, through injury and then with Carlison, who's, you know, sort of trying to find his way in at Spurs. I mean, a massive loss and, I mean, Rondon's been around for Donkey's years, so look I, I just I mean, I think Frank will do a good honest job there, but in the end, I think he's short of talent and that they would be expecting to beat them for us and being promoted Um but, you know, they've invested in, in everything and haven't really done that, so I'm not totally surprised.
2: Um, Marco Silva's done a fantastic job with Fulham, hasn't he? I mean, last time they came up uh, Mark uh, that they couldn't they couldn't get goals uh, going, but uh, that doesn't seem to be a problem now. They drew two with Liverpool first game up. Mitrovic missed a penalty last week against Wolves, which would have given them a win, and they did get a win against Brentford this weekend. Uh, they were two 0 up, ended up uh, winning three two, and uh, Fulham now in the top half of the well in the top four of the Premiership.
5: Well, I think Brentford aren't far behind them are well, they? Because they've had a win and a draw, so think they're on four as well. So look, that was a cracking game actually. And um, something about those games at Craven Cottage where it's nice and tight and, you know, the game's sort of end-to-end and explosive. And um, two teams that were really evenly matched, Brentford 2-0 down, came back into the game, could have been ahead with a disallowed goal through a very marginal VAR call again. And, um, and Mitrovic, who sort of was under a bit of a cloud, he couldn't get a game. Um, and for Fulham last time around uh, on the bench, and uh, he started unbelievably well. He looks, he looks big and strong and mobile and, and everything like he didn't look like sort of two three years ago. So um, great start from them. Um, Silva's a good coach. He had a bad time at Everton, um, but he's obviously he rebuilt his sort of psyche. And um, yeah, they're, uh, they're certainly one of the promoted teams that look probably the safest at
2: this point. Yeah, they uh, they look pretty good, all right. Uh, Leicester lost one, uh, 2-1 at home to Southampton. They took the lead, 1-0 in that one. Uh, where are you on Brendan Rodgers? Because he, he seems a bit lost. They've not signed anyone, as you mentioned, but that's because they do have such a big squad. I think they need to get rid before they can bring in. But he doesn't want to get rid of Wesley Fafana, and he was asked about that in the lead-up to the game, uh, about what's going to happen in the transfer, when he said he had no idea, which suggests someone else is running the cutter for him, and they've now uh you know haven't had a great start to the season of uh, one point from three games
5: yeah and also he was asked the very strict questions about tillerman tillman's and fafana one on the bench one in the stand in in a game that they needed to win and he just said look it's a tough time for the club you know the, the club's trying to balance its books so clearly there's there's a question of sustainability financial sustainability there, that he's having to adhere to, and he won't like that at all. I mean, he's gone to that club, that club where, you know, Premier League FA Cup with him and pushing and pushing for big time. And now they, they I'm a bit worried about Leicester, and uh, to be fair, I, I think they're struggling. Um, and if they do use those two players, which is seemingly likely, um, and I'm not quite sure how fan
2: is worth 80 million, um, but I guess. You know, would, Chelsea, would you have him or Harry Maguire? Because Harry Maguire was worth 80 million. <laughs> Yeah, I like. Yeah, I haven't seen enough
5: of him. You know, I don't think any any centre <laughs> back in, in England is worth eighty million. You know, um, but you know he's young and he's a, he's a, he's an international and you know he's got time to grow. But um, I, it looks like they're going to sell him and um, balance the books. And, and I w- I would think Madison to Newcastle's a possibility. Tilleman's to Arsenal. Although Arsenal might not need him, and um, they have an aging squad. You know, relying rely on Jimmy Vardy up top Phil. so yeah, they they, they worry me, um, Leicester, I sort of sort of see them as not really pushing on and being a European hopeful, I see them more mid-table, which is a bit of a shame really because Brendan's a good manager, um, but he needs to be able to go and compete with the big clubs by spending the money, and um, clearly that's not going to be the case.
2: No, it's not, uh, so we'll wait and see, you mentioned Arsenal, uh, they've been linked with Telemann since... I think last season, uh, they won 3-0 today at Bournemouth. They're top of the table. First time since the invincible season that Arsenal have started three from three.
5: Isn't it weird? I don't know if you've been watching um, um, the documentary um, about um, uh, Arsenal. and um, um, Mikel Arteta seems to be an absolute gem in there. And they struggled last year. Um, but he, the, the stuff that he's coming out with and the stuff that he's saying and the sort of motivation that he's putting around the squad and, and the culture that he's building there is, is quite dramatic. And I think the results that they've started with, along with spending the uh, best part of $150 million, um, on good players and getting rid of you know, average players is certainly massively visible. You know, Bournemouth aren't a strength. But they're always tough to beat at home and um you know, Arsenal just ran all of them today. Could have been could have been six. Um, and uh, it, like they just slipped a bit. Um Gabriel Jesus looks just out of this world again. He was involved in everything and um Arsenal look at danger, you know. It's uh, they it is Arsenal, so we always know that there's gonna be a few blips along the way, but my goodness getting away to nine points, you know, looks like you know, Chelsea got tough games tomorrow. Um, Man City got tough game, Liverpool have <laughs> got a game, not sure how tough it'll be so those big teams could lose points again and uh, you know, Arsenal could get a, a bit of a run on everybody so I think they're, they're absolutely in that top four argument
2: Yeah, well Better than the start they had last season when there were no points off three games uh, certainly completely reversed that so let's have a look at those games tomorrow that you mentioned Leeds uh, at home to Chelsea Chelsea have struggled for goals a bit this season obviously Timo Werner's gone out the team Raheem Sterling's not really a nine. They're trying to play Kai Havertz as that nine. Um, I'm not sure how that's working, or if they're going to pick anyone else up in the window, or are they just, you know, bringing the kid Brozier that was on loan at um, Southampton last season to play that role?
5: Oh, I think they get a Bamiang. Um I, I'm not so sure that's clever because it's just you know it just looks like Lukaku, Havertz, Werner. It just looks like they're sort of trying to get somebody who has been good in the day, but. You know, Bamian, you know, he, he had a, obviously he had a good time at Barcelona last year, but you know, he, he wants to play. Um, so it looks, and he's he's chums with um, 2 So yeah, I, I, I think we'll get him. I think they need him. Um, even if he just stands up there and gets on the end of stuff, you know, they got enough talent and they got such strong midfield and so much depth out wide that um, you couldn't help but score goals for for Chelsea. So I think a Bamian um, is a you know, they, you know. Barcelona want them off the wages, and they want a bit of money, and that'll help them with their other problems. So I, I would imagine that he'll get there. But yeah, they don't look they don't look perfect at the minute, and they're spending a fortune, right? So you, you know you think of what they've with Kulibali and and um, Fasana they get
2: him, it's um big big money. Yeah, massive money. Uh, they, Chelsea, Chelsea favourite, favourites. A dollar fifty three, Leeds five fifty, the draw four twenty, Brighton. Uh, visit West Ham who uh like Manchester United are without a point so far after two games. Uh, Brighton have looked pretty good. They're pretty tight. Uh they're they're hard to play against, hard to score against, but they're three dollar outsiders in this. The draw 330 and West Ham 230. What do you reckon?
5: Um I I'm going for West Ham because West Ham has to win. You know, they had a they had a good win in in the Europa League during the week, uh Conference League during the week. Um, and they, they have to win. I mean, Brighton have got some points, and um, I'm not saying that'll make them any less hungry, but West Ham can't afford to lose three in a row uh, and get detached. Um, so I think that they, they will win at home. Um, it's a must-win game, and um, otherwise they find themselves you know, in, in, in absolute you know, trouble uh, from a mortality perspective. I think they'll get by, and, and unfortunately, despite Brighton's good start, I think we're going to be in the end of a loss tomorrow, and West Ham's a good bet.
2: Yeah, and uh, just before we let you go, mate, Manchester City a dollar thirty-three against Newcastle eight dollars. The draw fives. Erling Haaland's the difference, isn't
5: he? Yeah, but yeah, but a draw at fives is very attractive. Um, you know, St James's Park. You know, they're better. Um, City have been a bit. You know, look, they've been a little bit hot and cold. Haaland has also been a bit hot and cold, and out of the game, they haven't quite worked out how to play him. At this point. um, Look, I can see them definitely winning, um, but boy, good value in the draw at $5 and uh, I wouldn't mind a bit of that.
2: Yeah, all right, Noel. Good stuff, mate. Thanks very much for coming on. Uh, Enjoy those games tomorrow morning. We'll catch up with you soon, eh?
5: Thanks, Robert.
2: Cheers. It is nine away from four here on SENZ. It's five away from four here on SENZ on your Sunday afternoon. Well, two games have wrapped. They have plenty of upset Auckland. They have won 21-17 at Eden Park. Uh, well done to the Bay. It's a big win for them. Uh, also, Otago, they got up over Southland in the Southern Derby, which was a tight one. 37-32 in the end. Very tight match. We do have another game getting underway in 40 minutes from the NPC. Manawatu at home to Hawks Bay. Hawks pay $1.07. Manawa 2.750, of course, they've had a bit of a horror start to the season. And then after that, at 7.05, also televised out of the Heartland Championship, it up a Bush versus North Otago from Palmerston North, from the showgrounds there. Uh, that is the big game. $4 you can get on the home team, the Bush, at $1.22 on North Otago. Plenty of rugby to come up after 4 o'clock. We're going to be talking cricket with Hamish Bennett and rugby league with Gary Belcher. Just gone four o'clock here on SENZ Sunday afternoon with Ricardo Ball here through till five o'clock, and uh, joining us now to talk cricket is Hamish Bennett, former Black Cap. G'day mate, how are you? Yeah, good mate.
6: How
2: are you guys. Yeah, not too bad. I was thinking about you as we were getting you on, <coughs> and I thought, oh, Benny. I've heard I've heard uh, the old Harry Jav call you Benny before, and that did make me wonder whether or not Eggs had ever been your nickname. Uh, Henry Nichols actually
6: gave me that nickname when I was. Um Bit younger, actually, coming through, started calling me Eggs and then Green Eggs, but yeah, he called me Eggs for a little bit. Yeah, yeah.
2: So, yeah, it has been thought of. It has been thought of. I'm not, I'm, I, uh, I'm not on anything new. What's, what's the best nickname in cricket, do you think? That well, you can say on the radio? The yeah. Oh,
6: it's got to be Finn Allen, doesn't it? His nickname's King. So, I mean, you know, we just, you just you always used to say when he got runs, long live the King.
2: Yeah, no, well, but he did all right the other night, didn't he? 96. You take that. Yeah, he did, didn't
6: he? For a friend, though, it was a bit of a boring inning, wasn't it? I mean, I nearly fell asleep watching him bat. I only took 100 and something. I took some responsibility. That's not what... I mean, it's obviously you know very mature knock and obviously helped get the blackouts over the line. But, I mean, from my point of view, I mean, I don't want to watch him bat like that. Honestly, whack it. But, but it's very good for New Zealand cricket.
2: Yeah, it was, uh, especially given that Kane wasn't available. What have, what what have you made of this series in the windies and, and what we've seen out of it?
6: Um, I think it would be a great series... Um, before the world cup um you know if you can't get a subcontinent before the one day world cup i think the wickets have turned they've been slow and it's probably not been that traditional sort of style of cricket that we've um i guess we like to enjoy you know with the fast pace and hitting lots of boundaries and high scores it's gone back to that i guess you have to really value your wicket um you have to try and be three down at 30 overs and that's that's always been one of the i guess main principles in one day cricket being three down at 30 overs and um, I guess it's showing that you've got to be able to, I guess, win in different ways and just try to be able to adapt. And I guess that's what, I guess, it took the uh, Black Caps use one game to, to learn
2: that. Yeah, I mean, it, you always hear that about, you know, on the subcontinent with uh, when it's spinning and things, you you got to be able to use your wrists and you've got to be a wristy player. Wristy players tend to go better against spin. I mean, is that what Finn Allen's done here? And, and do we have other players that play that way that you think should be... Uh, sort of in the equation to, to make that World Cup if we're going to pick a squad for the conditions?
6: Um, I think the risky thing is just being, being able to guess, hit the ball late, you know, trying to be able to go with the turn or sort of go against it a little bit. I think um, I think we've got the right squad, mate. I think the right players are there. I mean, you know, there'll be a couple of backup up batters um, to go as well, but I think yes, when you go to some concert, it'll be interesting. You know, in the last World Cup, it was big, you know, obviously... ICC see, we're pretty big on making sure spin was into the game. So, it would be interesting to see what the wickets are like um, in this World Cup in India. Um, to, you know, what will they do for the seed bowlers, or will it just be sort of typical, sort of subcontinent style wickets? So, there's not plenty of time to go, but I think they're on the right track. And I like that they've tried the fin, I guess fin in mean the batting experiment, um, all, you know, a long way out before the World Cup. So, you know, they, they'll be certain on who's going to open the batting in their order by the time the World Cup comes around.
2: Yeah, uh, of course he, he went in there, Tom Latham dropped down into Kane's position uh, didn't didn't go so well for, for Tom with the bat, just a, a duck off three balls but New Zealand did win the game, what have you made of Tom Latham's captaincy in, in place of Kane, I mean we've seen more and more times that Kane is unavailable to play because he's had this elbow injury and other things, um, how do you think Tom Latham goes as captain?
6: Um, oh look I think he's, he's probably, he've had the technical now and the knowledge and all that and He'll just be trying to run the, sh- uh, the ship the same as Kane. I guess um, I actually looked at it after that South African series as stats from Test Cricket. And um, when he's captain, you know, because everyone calls for Kane's head after the England series as the media does after we, we go slightly badly. Um, that um, But his record as is captain when, isn't actually great with the bat um, when he is captain. So, um, you know, if you're sort of leading me down that path to see if, you know, Kane should take a rest or not, I mean I think Kane's still the right man for the job I think if Kane was ever going to give up a former captaincy, I'd actually like to see him give up the T20 captaincy and then I think Tim would probably be the man that could lead the T20 side, if, um, maybe potentially after this World Cup if Kane wants to, if you want to manage your players a bit better, I would like, still like to see Kane um, be the one day captain going to the 2023 World Cup and I still like to see him being the test captain, so um, I think it's just one of those things that Tom's the, the backup guy, if Kane's if Kane's down, but I think Kane
2: definitely has to be the man to lead us forward. Yeah, no, I wasn't trying to lead you into anything. It was just a. I, I just <laughs> I, I just wondered about some of the, the, the decisions of fielding placements, bowling rotations, and things when Kane wasn't there. Um, I'd seen a little bit of criticism of it, and um, in just in thinking that maybe, you know, what's he thinking here, what's he thinking there. Um, but I guess we're just, we're not in the, in the conditions we're not on the field, so it's hard to say.
6: Yeah, I guess as well the hard thing in the West Indies as well when we got on top like that as well you have to bowl your spin straight away because you want to make sure you get the 20 overs in mm. um, you're just not sure when it's going to rain as well in the West Indies and obviously that's why people were in to toss and bowling first with West Lewis trying to see what you can get making sure that you sort of you know, if you are building and you lose you know, for instance if West Indies batted first the other night and they got rained off after 23 overs and then, <clears throat> or 25 overs we would to come out about 25 overs we would have been chasing you know, probably 40 so um, it's one of those ones you you know, you're on top, you wanna try to get through the game. So I mean you can see the game differently. Um, which isn't a bad thing. It's it's good to play under different styles and learn different tactics and try different things. Um so yeah, I don't mind at all, mate, to be yeah.
2: honest. Yeah, I think it was around, you know, when we had the Windy struggling that he didn't go for the throat basically, um was, was the was some of the chat, but um mm. obviously they still it's got hard the though isn't it Yeah.
6: It's hard though because it's like you know, you look at that lineup, and what does going for the throat look like? You know, you had Jimmy Neesham and Daryl Mitchell, your other seam options, um, and then you had Bracewell and Satner, so they bowl Saudi and bolt out your ten overs, and then, you know, he's probably always thinking as a captain, you know, because you're in the moment, you always think to yourself, oh God, I need to make sure I've got my big boys there, just in case it doesn't go quite well. You always can think in a mindset of if you're on top, right, you know, if I can get this guy through, I can get this guy through, maybe pick up one pole, then you know, they might be 50 for seven or something and we'll be okay because I've bowled this guy out or bowled that guy out, so you probably felt, you know, those conditions you're probably begging for someone like lucky Ferguson to become on first change, so um, it's funny how it works, So you know, after the first game, you know, wicked, the way it was, it looked like a bit easier to face the pace on bowling and then you sort of rotate him out and then you're sitting on the sidelines and probably the man you wanted to bowl first
5: change.
2: Yeah, yeah it's funny, funny that alright mate, uh, it's a uh... I did see somebody uh, suggest (coughs) that uh, this kid, Trent Bolt, that we've got on loan from the Mumbai Indians, looks all right after
6: that. He's not bad, is he? Thankfully, the Mumbai Indians are needing to play some cricket before a couple of T20 (laughs) leagues. So uh, we'll take that as much as we can, I think.
2: Yeah, indeed. Three for 18. Southie, four for 22. The old dogs have still got it, haven't they?
6: Yeah, they do have it, mate. I guess it's a good opportunity for Southie as well. He's taking his opportunity with both hands. You think if Matt Henry's fit, Tim probably wouldn't have played. Uh, Matt Henry would have opened the bowling all those three games. He's been the first-choice um, ODI bowler with Bolty now for for a wee while. So, uh, I guess Southie's still showing, you know, Gary Stead and Gavin Arson that he still wants to be around for that 2023 World Cup and he wants to play a big part of it. So, you think of Tim Southie in the last, you know, since 2015 to after 2015 World Cup to sort of now, he probably hasn't really played a big part in the ODI squad. He's always been sitting on the sidelines. So, um, he's taking that opportunity with both
4: hands.
2: Yeah, do you think pretty much the squad that's over there is the squad that's going to go to the World Cup, the ODI World Cup?
6: Um, yeah, I guess the only one is around Bolt, isn't it? What they do with Trent Bolt. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, you know, Mitchell McLennigan, he left to do the same thing as Trent Bolt. Got Yeah, you know, they forgot about him and said you'll never get picked. Adam Milne, um, he's done it, but they've sort of picked him again. Um, Colin Munro's done it, and they've sort of put the line through his name, um, like they do with McLennigan. So it'll be interesting to see... What they do with Bolt, if they um, put, his line, put the line through his name, or um, or if they don't, and then other players are going to. I I would think Ricardo, you know, expect other players to be playing these other leagues as well. Come around, um, you know, uh, Christmas time, you know, expect some New Zealand players to be in the South African league, and expect other players to be, be playing Emirates League as well. So you know, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens.
2: And speaking of Munners, he he went all right uh, in the hundred overnight. They were chasing. Uh, one hundred and twenty two. And uh he scored sixty seven off thirty seven to get his team home, the Trent Rockets.
6: Yeah, he's still got it, mate. The old the old boy, old boy, he's still got it. It's just you're gonna know, cricket. I don't know if you read much of cricket info, but I saw an article the other day that Graham Smith um, sort of they wrote about Graham Smith saying how I guess will cricket, especially um, you know, the smaller nations like ourselves in South Africa. Anyone outside the big three needs a big cash injection and that's why they've gone for that franchise T twenty league and they've got people like the, you know, people who own um, the Chennai Super Kings owner team and other IPL owners own teams in their leagues. So I think World Cricket's in a really interesting spot at the moment just to see what players do and how flexible countries are around players. I almost think we're getting to the point where international cricket is actually promoting you to play these leagues and then mm-hmm. players are looking to play these leagues to to cash in to to retire and retire and put their feet up, which is which is fair enough, but I just think the the scope and the dynamic of world cricket is is slowly changing. If you're outside the big three,
2: yeah, it's interesting. You said uh, um, about the the big three and the, those, you know, what's going on there? Because I see David Warner um, has decided to he's not playing in that UAE league. He signed a deal to play BBL for the next two seasons.
6: Yeah, well, the Big Bash. Um, Australia, cricket Australia have obviously put their foot down and um, basically they don't let anyone else play in any other competition with the big bashes on I guess they can do that with um, the funds that they that they have, um, which is always nice. Their bank account is pretty healthy, so they can obviously flick water a little bit more money to um just keep them happy and keep them in the BBL and I think um, BBL as well, they're going to be doing things and trying to shape up their products as well to compete in, on a global scale. I mean, I see they've signed a, a deal with Disney as well um, to get their BBL through and, through to India with the IPLs obviously on Disney now for about these thirteen, nearly $14 million a game. Disney paid for the IPL, so it's the second highest um, sporting event in the world behind the NFL. So um, Disney's obviously making a big move as well to get into India, so Cricket Australia have got on that. So it's just yeah mate, it's just or oh, it's just a changing beast, and I just think it's the cricket is just changing as Graham has said. You know, in five six years' time, there could only be four or five, you know, and possibly six teams playing test cricket around the world, and the rest just looking to play franchise cricket or, and playing what ball cricket. So, so, the landscape's um, it's an interesting point of view at the moment. Eh? It's in a real mm-hmm. interesting spot. It's just um, I think for us, it just depends on um, what the powers are be. Let people do outside of their of of their contracts, or if they're not contracted, how much they have to play for New Zealand in a year to be eligible for the big events. Because it's also harsh on some of the, you know, if you think if you're a player who's been slogging away for New Zealand and playing for the last couple of years in the team regularly and turning down other little things on the side. I guess, you know, you would be pretty dirty. You probably understand it, but you'd be pretty dirty if you had to stick aside for for someone who's been away and choosing not to play for New Zealand, to play in these other leagues when, when a major ICC event happens. So, i will be interesting to see what their stance is on it.
2: Yeah, it will be, mate. Uh, let's uh, quickly flip over to the UK and see how Baz Ball's going. Uh, not great again in the first test against South Africa. Uh, boy, that South African pace attack absolutely tore the palms apart, didn't it? Rivada particularly.
6: Yeah, yeah. Well, they got a very good pace attack on you. Yeah, it was always gonna be um I think as soon as Baz had his first loss, you know, he's still trying to play sexy cricket as his terms. Mm. Um, but I think once he had that first loss the media are always probably gonna jump on him a bit harder than um you know, than just a normal English cricket loss. I mean that's just the way the English media are and um and I guess everyone talked about the style of play so much, but you know, I think you'd be a brave man and you'd know as well working with bears on on your radio station I think you'd be a brave man to bet against him and not mm-hmm. think that he isn't getting the troops ready and charged to to go again um, so I wouldn't expect it to be something that um I expect England to bounce back and put into better performance but I guess he's probably you know um you know the term that I guess i've I've heard a lot I've heard Jimmy Smith say on this um, on his at Australia and you New Zealand you know a lot of people can coach the NRL could coach the NRL but you got to be able to deal with the media and you've got to be able to deal with um, buying and firing players. And that's what I guess Baz is going to get tested on now is, you know, as a head coach, you got to be prepared not to be liked um, and you've got to make some tough decisions, which is best for the team. And I guess, um, you know, if he loses this South African series, then he's going to have to get himself in a position where he's going to have to make some, some tough calls. And a few might be unpopular, but they've got to see the bigger picture in the end. So it's always the hardest thing as a head coach.
2: Yeah, I mean, he said that they needed to go harder and put more pressure on the South Africans, so he's actually doubled down on the approach rather than uh, saying anything else, which is very bad.
6: Oh, of course it is, yeah. I mean, he's always been big about putting pressure back on the bowler and making the bowler think that they're in trouble and sweeping on the bowler and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if, if, they, <laughs> if they come out going a bit harder and playing a few more shots. And I think he's a better you don't want to be tentative, you don't want to be thinking, Oh, can I play that? Can I not play that? You just want to be decisive and just have conviction in your in your thoughts and in your movements and that's what Baz will just be echoing to them, um you know, echoing them to them into the second test. So I'm sure they would have had a couple of pints and talked about it um at the bar and then they can sort of travel up and then Get, get into the next test on Thursday so he'll be thankful there's not much time in between games and he can try and get back on the horse straight away.
2: Yeah just back, back to it now you mentioned Graham Smith writing uh, on Crick Info another bloke's been doing a bit of writing recently is Ross Taylor have you had a look at that book yet?
6: Uh, I haven't actually no I haven't had a wee look at that book um no he's been getting around and I guess um some of the people have been grabbing the the snippets and stuff of it so um yeah, you know, I guess um, I'll guess I'll read it sometime. Like I normally say to every former teammate who's written a book, if they ask me if I've read their book I say I'll wait till it's in the bargain bin. So I might have to wait <laughs> might have to wait a little bit longer um till that one's in the bargain bin. But um no, I'll get around to it sometime. But have you have you read it?
2: I haven't read the whole thing. i am about halfway through. Um but uh yes yeah. tell you what, there's a certainly a few people who uh will no longer be sending Christmas cards to the Taylor household. Should we say that?
6: <laughs> yeah, I guess Sometimes it can get taken out of context some of the stuff and and, and um yeah I don't, I don't know it's always a, it's always a hard one writing a book isn't it what you leave in and what you put in and what you take out and I'm sure he would have underna underna over a lot over a lot so um yeah I guess that's just one of the things of writing a book isn't it you've got to be prepared to um to 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 tell your journey and sometimes your journey isn't always a, as we know it's not always rainbows and butterflies so. Um, but as, a, as someone from the public, um, yeah, I, I, I guess it would be a great insight to his career and a, and a, and a very good read. Yeah, well,
2: yeah. He's a, a, he hasn't mentioned me, has
6: he? I haven't seen him.
2: I, I haven't seen your name yet. I haven't seen, maybe uh, he's Maybe maybe he's leaving you okay. to the end. You're the cliffhanger. Yeah,
6: took he took a bloody to good catch off me, Napier. He could have told me how good a ball that was. It was nice, and short, <laughs> wide, and he jumped up and he caught everyone. Went on about the catch. So I said, "Well, someone's got a bowler."
2: Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, you 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 set him up beautifully, Hamish. You set him up beautifully. Yeah,
6: yeah. No one expects a short, wide one that you can cut for six
2: and just top edge. <laughs> exactly, catching them by surprise. I see what you did there. It's it's baiting the hook, yeah. right? Baiting the hook. Yeah.
6: Exactly. Exactly, I double down on my approach, McCullum style.
2: Yeah. (laughs) I like it, I like it, Amish. Um, uh, Tomorrow morning we've got the last of the Windies uh, ODIs. Um, 85% chance of precipitation. Um, What goes on in the shed when it's raining outside and you can't play cricket?
6: Oh, a lot of madness. You find out who's who's tweaking, who's on the edge, um, who's not feeling great about themselves and who's relaxed, really, I think. Um, the real nuffs of the team, like, uh, um, like I guess, looking at that team, like a few of the nuffs like Kane and, I guess, even Tommy Latham and Finn, to an, to an extent, be going around and grabbing everybody's bats and seeing who's got the best bats and talking about weights and pick up and feel and, God, it goes on for hours, all that sort of rubbish. <laughs> um, and the few other boys will be having coffee and relaxing. And then, I guess, a few other boys who are really itching to get out there will be sitting on the balcony and literally watch it rain and watch the grounds and do their work and try and look around and see when they're getting back out there. It all depends on what um, situation you're in. I think if um, if a ball hasn't been bowled, everyone's sort of pretty relaxed. But, I mean, if you're on top and you know that you're going to win with Duckworth Lewis, then you're, you're out there trying to watch it and you're encouraging it to rain more so you don't have to go back out so you know you've won. And if you're behind, then you still sort of out there, and you go. Oh, it's not that wet. You know, we can get out there. We can get out there. We try to put pressure on the umpires. Problem is, the umpires come in every like you know twenty minutes and that, and say, oh, it's still raining. You're like, yeah, no, you know, no bollocks. I can, I can see it. So, yeah,
2: thanks for that. Thanks um,
6: for the update. Yeah, the hardest thing is I think now for modern generation is because um, you obviously get your phone taken off you before you go into the ground for bickering reasons, obviously. Mm. Um, whereas when when I first started, we we obviously had for the phones, maybe everyone was normally playing cards or doing something like that. Whereas I guess the younger generation they wouldn't know how to play cards if it's not on their phone, so it's trying to find something to do, really. And I remember Eden Park, we played Bangladesh, she had this amazing game of indoor cricket, which was pretty enough. We took up a tennis ball and Got their big rubbish, but now it's a the stumps. So I remember Tim Southey steaming in at Gary Stead. and Steady was cutting him. Then Steady left the big in and got his poles knocked over and got a massive send off. So it was actually quite funny.
2: Yeah, did did um, Southey make the team the next week after that?
6: It was last, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was captain. It was the last game of the season, so it was actually good. So um, no, it was, it was uh, and we had a security guard batting and all sorts. It was quite funny. <laughs>
2: uh, <God laughs> so you're just trying
6: to, you're just trying to find things to do. I guess I mean, I'm not sure if the um, Ross Taylor's books over in the Caribbean, but I mean there might be a few people reading a couple of copies of that.
2: Yeah, yeah. Indeed. Be time it would be. It would be. I did wonder whether you or might, not I should uh, I should take it to New Zealand cricket and ask David White to sign it or not. I don't know if he'd be up for that, but
6: um, you hope um you hope um, you know, maybe my maybe, maybe one of the senior members has got a few of the youngsters crowd around like in primary school showing the pictures and <laughs> reading it to the class.
2: <laughs> Brilliant, Hamish. Hey, listen, mate, thanks very much for your time. Good to chat. Go well. No, awesome, mate. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Thank you. Always enjoy it. Mate, it's it's always good fun. Uh, Hamish Bennett there, uh, former Black Cap, chatting to us about, uh, yeah, well, tell us a few stories. Tell us a few stories. Always good to hear those. Uh, This is SENZ Sunday afternoon. Gary Belcher with us before five. Twenty-five past four on SENZ Sunday afternoon. Ricardo Paul was you through five. Gary Belcher not too far away. Of course, we did have the big heavyweight title fight on DeZone this morning between Anthony Joshua and Alexander Usyk. Usyk defended his belts. He's won them. What does it mean for Anthony Joshua? A well, good question. This is what AJ had to say post-fight.
4: Am I proud of myself? Uh, it's really, really hard for me to say I'm proud of myself. Um, I don't feel anything, I'm just, well, I'm upset, really like deep down in my heart. Oh, man. Anthony,
2: 11 months ago, it felt like you didn't quite empty the tank. Tonight, you went out on your shield, you went out throwing. Do you feel like you've exercised some demons from 11
4: months ago? Is that how long it's been, 11 months? Yeah, it's a long time. Exercise some demons, um, I don't know how to answer that question, to be honest with you. How about exercise some demons tonight? You left, left it in the ring tonight? No, it's just I tried a different style. Well, previously in my career, through the sport of boxing, like what got me through in my early days when I was beating people that I shouldn't have been beating, for example, I was an amateur for three years, only three years when I walked into the gym with my cousin Benga over there, who's now head of security, Um, I was beating guys based off of sheer hunger and passion. So just in the last fight, I wanted to compete and improve myself as a boxer. And it wasn't good enough. Tonight wasn't good enough, but you can see I I adapted. I made the changes needed to give him a more competitive fight. It wasn't enough, but um, I left everything in the gym. If I would have left everything in the, in, the, in the ring, I would have won. But I definitely pushed myself in training camp to make sure the fight was more competitive tonight.
2: So there you go. That is Anthony Joshua. Here. It sounds like he's not convinced that he left everything out there. Eddie Hearn, who, of course, has uh, been his uh, manager and agent, uh, was also asked about this
7: on Talk Sport we saw the real aj afterwards as well didn't we did you think he won no i didn't think he won i thought it was a very close fight but i thought it was 115 113 because of the last three rounds that 10th round from usi i couldn't believe it i ran over at the end of the night i said you've got him he's done and he just came out it was one of the best heavyweight rounds like performances in a round i've ever seen Um, and he deserved the win because you know, those three rounds he ran away with a fight, in might So, think. like many of us, you had AJ 5-4 up after nine. Like that, yeah, all yeah, yeah. very, yeah. very close, yeah. you know, 5-4, yeah. either way, draw, I don't know. But, you know, I thought to myself, he's going to win these last rounds and win the fight. And you can't, you know, it, this is why he's pound-for-pound pound number oh, one. No. And AJ, you saw his reaction, His passion. Devastated, you know. But he wanted to win so bad, and uh, he just wasn't quite good enough. But he lost the split decision to the pound-for-pound pound number one. I hope he's not too ashamed of that because it was a much better performance than the first fight. Well, he never looked truly hurt. He he inflicted a lot of pain and damage on Yusick, who, as you say, had to use all his tricks to stay in there for 12 rounds. And he just got... It's it's an improved AJ we've seen, basically, isn't it? It was a good performance, but, you know, the problem is, like I said, when you're in with the pound-for-pound number one, you know, it's very difficult to overcome him. I, I still felt like he started a bit slow. I still feel like he needed to let his hands go more. But it's easier said than done. We said that in the build-up, you know, but he hurt him repeatedly to the body, to the head in the ninth, and, um, you know, maybe he'll kick himself a little bit for not edging on earlier in the fight, but, again, those championship rounds for music were just incredible. Now, come on, you're the man that can sell sand to the Arabs, um, Edward of Arabia. Um, where do you take AJ next, and have you got a deal with... Um, with uh with um, music as well no listen musics free to do what he wishes and um, you know he's going to move forward and probably try and fight for the undisputed championship you know but we'll see what happens uh aj now people talking in this build-up about him retiring i don't you know when you lose a split decision to the pound for pound number one why why would you even contemplate it's about passion it's about if you still want it and look you see how much he wanted it by his post-fight interview but you know he's going to take some time i'd like to see him back out Maybe even in de- late December, you know. Who do you think? Who do you feel? Fights for him. Dillian White, uh, Deontay Wilder, you know, so many guys in the top, top. Uh, there's even some Brits coming through maybe in a couple of fights as well. Hergovic. Hergovic, you know, he's a he's now mandatory for we'll fight that. But, you know, it's um, we just got to see what he wants to do ultimately. And, you know, it's uh, I think going to be a tough, tough defeat to take, but he'll be back. You go.
2: He'll be back. Eddie Hearn saying AJ could even fight as early as December. It is four thirty here on SENZ Sunday afternoon. When we come back, Gary Belcher joins us. We talk rugby league. It's twenty six away from five here on SENZ Sunday afternoon with Ricardo Ball here through till five o'clock. A big weekend of NRL, uh, with only two full rounds left to go after this weekend. Currently, the Dragons lead the Titans 16-6, with a quarter of an hour left in the first half. Joining us to talk rugby league is former Canberra Raider and Queensland great uh, Gary Belcher. G'day, Gary. How are you?
1: G'day, Ricardo. Yeah, I think we're calling it Q in the rack round, this one. It seems the team's down the bottom of... um, with a with what this is their third last game might have already uh, clocked off because there's been some incredibly huge score lines and all by the the top teams.
2: Well, exactly. I mean, and last night we saw the biggest of the lot, mate. Uh, you know, the Roosters seventy-two-six over the West Tigers. That's oh. a record, a record defeat for the Tigers. And Jimmy Tamo was just too much for him at the end.
1: Yeah, I, I didn't catch what he actually said. I know he's apologised for it. I saw him getting. He was pretty filthy at the ref for whatever reason. I think he's dirty at himself now for his behaviour, but the uh, yeah that was a, an absolute rout the the Roosters. Oh, I haven't seen a score line like that for a long, long time, and um, embarrassing for the West Tigers. But yeah, once again those those sides down the bottom of the table that's left the Tigers uh, bottom of the table, and you know they um, and they're a long way uh, behind the Titans. who are on the same number of points, subject to today's game. But they're about 100 points behind or 80 or 90 points behind for and against, so they're not looking real good at all, the, the West Tigers, and the Wooden Spoons probably coming their way.
2: Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, he called the ref effing incompetent when he got binned for 10. Oh, did he? Yeah.
1: Well, that's going to cost him, isn't it? You can't. You just can't say that about, um, you know, the, the worst thing you can call a ref, I think, is a cheat, but calling him incompetent is um, going to land him in a bit of hot water, I
2: imagine. I'd imagine so. I mean, Brandon Smith got four weeks for for, for calling a ref a cheat, you know, mid, uh, what was that, in July. Uh, Jimmy Tamo's going to get at least two games. There's only two games left of the season. He's out of contract. He's 34. Somebody in the press have pointed out to him Ooh. that could be the last game of his career, and uh, he looked completely yeah. crestfallen when he got that news. Yeah,
1: no doubt at all. Um, and, and when he's your skipper too, your leader, and they haven't got, you know, a great leadership um group there, I you know, from my point of view, from the outside, that uh, doesn't help at all. But the frustration boiled over and they were just, uh, they were at the mercy of, the, of that Roosters side who now, you've got to say, uh, they're in the sixth, um, they're, they're contenders. I, I, and I've got to be careful here because we're seeing this late season surge by the Roosters and other sides. Generally, you've got to finish top four to be um, a real chance. The Roosters won't, I believe, finish in the top four, but... You're going to give it a hell of a shake the way they're playing.
2: Yeah, I'm trying to remember, was it, who was the last team not to finish in the top four that um, won a grand final? Was that the Cowboys? Oh, it's a good, good question. <laughs> I have not got a clue. It might have been. Yeah, it might have been. Yeah, because um, well, the other one, I mean, we talked about, Gary, the teams that have put the queue in the rack that are already on the beach um, who can't make it. But I suppose if you're in uh, – the, the most disappointed coach this weekend – has got to be Kevy Walters and um, conceding sixty to the Storm when you're still in the shake-up, and you've got stick, yeah. you know you've got uh, the Raiders breathing down your neck in ninth, who have got a decent run home.
1: Absolutely, um, you're spot on there. The the Storm have, have just got something over the Broncos, even at Suncorp, and the way they played was um, yeah, it was it, it was uh, exhilarating. I, I love the way they played their footy, and Brisbane just couldn't go with them, couldn't match them. I know they had a bit of bad luck in the first half, but uh, just blown away in the second half, but this close to the finals, they're in eighth spot. They're clinging, I must say, to eighth spot in a way. If the if the Raiders get up today, they're just two win, sorry, two points, one win behind them, and um, and the Raiders got a relatively soft run home. So Brisbane, three or four weeks ago, we were saying, look, they're a dead set top four contender. Well, they haven't done themselves any
2: favours of late, and they're in in big strife. Yeah, they're in massive strife. They got the Eels next weekend who up until this weekend were a team pretty much, I think, in the same basket as the Broncos, but their big win over the Dogs has helped them knowing. The Eels uh, yeah. then, then faced the Storm in the last weekend, so they needed that win over the Dogs. Oh, uh, well, the, didn't they? Uh, the Broncos finished with the Dragons, um, who are going all right tonight, uh, the Savo yeah. against the Titans, but the Raiders, you're right, have got a pretty uh, pretty comfortable run home. I think they finish with the Tigers, and they've got the Knights next weekend, uh, so they've got the Knights this weekend, so uh, if, yeah. you, if you're Ricky Stewart, you're looking at those that, that top eight. You're looking at the Broncos and thinking, "Well, we'll knock over the Knights, we'll knock over the Sea Eagles, and you know then it's the Tigers to finish." And you, you're putting, uh, you're banking three wins, I think, in the last three rounds.
1: Oh, I don't think Ricky's thinking that far ahead, but I reckon a lot of fans will be thinking exactly the same as you, Ricardo. But Ricky <laughs> be thinking, "Well, uh, I've got to be careful what I say in the press conference after today's game, and let's just get through this one." A Knights side that's in. You know, there's been a lot of off-field dramas going on, uh, particularly with Carlton Ponger and Kurt Mann. And then a couple of other players have been stood down, Tuala and Bradman Best, for this game because they were pretty tardy, you know, late for um, late for a bus last week. So, all in all, there's a lot of pressure on the Knights here at home. And, um, yeah, they've, they're have they in some strife. But I have seen a club like that. They perform really well when they're, they're under the pump. So, I'm a little bit concerned about this game against the Knights. I don't think it's any sort of uh, gimme for Canberra.
2: Now, the thing that interested me was that both the players you mentioned there uh, are their starting centres. So, what's their edge? do you going to look like, particularly up against someone like Sebastian Chris?
1: Uh yeah. What will it look like? Well, Dane Gagai's back, um, so that's you know that's that's um, not such a big problem there. But um, young debutante, I think it's Mapapalangi, um, yeah, uh, in the centres, and you know, yeah, what's his combination going to be like? That's that's the that's the tricky one. I just, I don't know, you know, you, you don't really know what you're going to get until those players, young players, get out in the field.
2: Yeah, no, it's going to be an interesting one, mate. What's your call uh, then? Uh, you know, I mean, what do you think's going to happen? Broncos, Raiders, what's your feeling when we when we get to the end of the season? Who's going to be in that eighth place?
1: Well, I hope it's the Raiders and I hope it's not the Broncos. Um, absolutely, that's what I'm hoping for, but um, ask me again next week, mate. I'll tell you. If Canberra lose today, well, they're out of the hunt, basically. Mm,
2: yeah, they, so, they're on a must-win streak, right? Let street, them get right?
1: through this one and, yeah, let them get through this and then uh, see where it lands.
2: Yeah. Uh, in terms of uh, Penrith, I mean, we saw a great game. Um, that Probably the best game of the round. It was the first game of the round on Thursday night against the Rabbitohs where they came back. Can you, can you see anybody getting past the Panthers? I mean, the Roosters are the Storm doing enough? Well,
1: there was a big call by a few people after that Panthers game, given they've got some real stars out there, Harbs, um, Cleary and Luai, out uh, that no-one can beat the Panthers this year. But then, uh, and it was a really good performance against a a red-hot Rabideau side who um, probably didn't pay their best, but still threw a lot at them. But then when you see what the Cowboys did, the the Melbourne Storm did, uh, the Eels, the Sharks, the Roosters, there's, there's a lot of teams that on any given day would be capable of giving the, the Panthers a big shake. So I'm still, you know, I think like everyone, we expect they'll be there. They'll be in the uh, in the grand final. They're going that well, but you never know on the day.
2: Well, I guess the team they want to avoid is the team that's beaten them twice this year, which is the Eels. It's just the Eels have got the consistency of porridge this season. You can't pick them one week to the next.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, exactly right. Um, but you know, there's there's a lot of firepower there, a lot of talent there. So they're, you know, once again, you know, we keep talking about the top four, but there's a couple of teams on the fringe there. I think the top seven, all, all seven sides are, are capable. Um, I won't go as far as the Broncos now after what I saw the other night. Um, but yeah, certainly down from the Panthers right through to the Rabbitohs there, they're
2: capable. There's a Smokey there, mate, I think, that not too many people are talking about. Um, a first-year coach in Craig Fitzgibbon, but... The Sharks don't seem to get brought up in these conversations, but they're just no. steaming away quietly, aren't they? Great side.
1: Uh, extremely, playing extremely well. Nick Hines, I think, might even come into the reckoning thing for the Dally M. He was Am. Uh, he's been uh, probably the best buy of the season, arguably. Uh, I didn't know he was as... I didn't know he was as good as he's played. I, you know, He's shown a lot of leadership. He's shown a lot of creativity in the halves role, and he was sort of in and out of that role and, and played fullback and whatever else at, at Melbourne. So, yeah, you know, I, I think he's been outstanding and a big difference for, for, the, uh, for the Sharks. So, yeah, they didn't they put the cleaners through? Manly showed just how
2: far the, the Seagulls are off the pace. Yeah, do you think, I mean, Manly have been like that since the, the obviously rainbow jersey uh, issue that, that they had. Uh, and they've completely gone off the boil ever since. Do you think Dez Hasler's in any jeopardy there? I don't know. I don't think so. But
1: I, I really, yeah, I, I don't know where that where that is. That club is, um, I, I think they're strong enough as a club. I, you know, when, when clubs go sacking players, re- coaches regularly, I, I, I see it as a bit of a weakness. I think the clubs find it's the only way out to appease their fans. But I, I even know if a coach can coach, and, and, and we know Dez can, uh, and he's got that, you know, he's really got, um, he knows what makes the Manly Seagulls tick. He knows what makes them work and how to get the best out in them. Um, let's let's keep, bear in mind that his best player's been out mm. uh, most of the year. And, and he was missed a lot last, last couple of years. Um, and now Jake Travoyvich is out, his brother. Uh, and, you know, it's been a, a bit hit and miss with some of their players. So,
2: oh, personally, I I wouldn't be getting rid of des and i hope they don't yeah no i'm I'm with you on that one i think that'd be a cop out if they did uh, i had seen some some drums beating and, and a few publications in sydney you what it's like you know what it's like mate, under the microscope there um and, yep. and and the media are always looking for a beat up always looking for a story uh look thanks very much for coming on gary always a pleasure to talk footy with you go well and have a great call and uh fingers crossed the green machine get up eh? i hope so Good on you, Ricardo. Thanks, mate. No worries. Thank you. Gary Belcher there with us uh, talking Rugby League NRL. We have live coverage of that last game with the Round the Knights and the Raiders coming up a little bit later on this afternoon. Gary Belcher, part of the call team here on SEN. Weekends are made for sport, and sport lives here. You're listening to SENZ. It's 10 away from 5 here on SENZ. I can tell you the Titans have scored again against the Dragons. They are still behind, but it's 22-12 now. 3 minutes out from half time and we uh, the the pressure is on. I think uh, they have a scrum in the Dragons half here with 3 minutes to go. So they'll be looking to or just inside their half actually. Uh, looking to put the pressure on the Dragons ahead of half time. Uh, there is a live market for that. The Dragons are $1.20. The Titans $4.25 at the moment. And we've got that game course coming up that Gary Belcher will be calling here on SENZ. The Knights up against the Raiders. The Knights are $4.30 outsiders. The Raiders very short favourites at $1.21. And there are a few other options, of course, as always, that you can get into there. Canberra to lead at 19.59 minutes, which is you know, halfway through the first half, Is paying a dollar eighty. You can also get the Raiders one to twelve at three forty, thirteen plus at a dollar seventy. The Knights one to twelve is six dollars. The Knights 13 plus uh twelve dollars. And I do like the first try score option, as I mentioned, there's a new uh center pairing for the Knights because uh, they have dropped Bradman best um, and uh, they have got uh, a few new play- well they've got a few new players in there, but they've got uh, well they do have one making his debut and he's going to go be going up on the edge against Sebastian Chris, who's paying twelve dollars for first try scorer. I don't mind that. I think uh, he's been going pretty well for the Raiders this season. Scored plenty of tries. Now mentioned at the top uh, with Gary Belcher that James Tamo had. Uh, being sent off late in that 74, uh, seventy-two to six shellacking uh, by the Roosters last night. Here's what happened and what he said after the match.
8: High on, still three. Back,
7: three. <laughs> oh! you can go. Off you go. Go, go. You're off. You're sent. No.
8: Keep going. Keep going. Oh, there. That's a send-off, mate. You look shattered, mate. What happened there at the end with Ben Cummins? Clearly, frustration took over. Yeah, I... First of all, I apologise for my actions towards Ben Cummins. Mate, they do a a terrific job. It wasn't obviously directed at him, the frustration got the better of me, the emotions got the better of me and uh I'll wear any criticism, I'll be accountable towards my actions. Uh they are like I said, the actions aren't acceptable. Um you know towards the jersey, uh the club, you know, the players and what he said they're trying the backsides off. I, you know, and I said I, I probably took the easy way out instead of shaking their hand and looking them in the eye. Uh I took the easy way out. Um and mate, I've got to wear that now all week. Wear the criticism. I've got four kids at home, and now, and that—that's how they're going to see how their dad act. So, like I said, I'll wear the criticism more week. I've got to be accountable for my actions because the actions aren't acceptable, and uh, I've let everyone down. I've let myself down. I'm embarrassed. Um, yeah, I've let a lot of people down. Is that one of
7: the hardest games? the toughest games you've been involved in?
8: Yeah yeah for sure um like i said the, the actions towards the uh the referee went back, directed to the referee it was just yeah just uh, i guess you know the game emotions, ourselves looking ourselves and you know that's another thing instead of looking ourselves in the mirror and being accountable I took it out in the wrong people and again that's that's taken the easy way out um yeah, yeah, like you said, pretty obviously shattered. We saw and Brent, sorry, Jimmy, we saw Grant yeah,
7: Smith rubbed out for four weeks for mm-hmm. putting it up a referee earlier this year. You, you're worried it'll be a crummy way to go out
8: if you're not but, going around next year. Yeah. It's not the way you... you I, know, uh, I, uh, I actually didn't think of that until late. Uh, someone just sort of mentioned it and, yeah, m- my heart sort of dropped. Well, my heart did drop, so... Again, I've got to be accountable for my actions. You know, like you said, it'll be a tough way to go for a game that has given me a lot and, you know, I've dedicated my body to. So, yeah, it's just something I'll have to deal with, mate. It's my own, yeah.
2: So there you go, uh, pretty sheepish James Tamo uh, speaking to the press afterwards. He didn't have to do that. but He put up his hand and said, look, i you know do... Uh, Mulley, I need to talk to the press, I need to cop this and he did, so fair play to him for doing it but yeah, he it uh, sounded pretty sheepish show. the Gold Coast scored a penalty It's Ty Power's Big Footy Final Sale To kick
0: things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres Tyre Power's Big Footy Final Sale can't last Is Visit typower.com.au
5: now